This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Bridgerton, the official podcast, is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. I just really, really loved the scene between the two of you when Queen Charlotte is like, is that all you can do? You're not going to curtsy a little more for me? That line always made me think of, I think it's a Kirsty McCall song, In These Heels. I mm, don't think so. I don't think so. It's the same sort of thing, with these knees? I don't think so. <laughs> Welcome back to Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm Gabby Collins, and I'm taking you behind the scenes of Bridgerton. We're hanging out with Ajwa and Doe and Golda Rocheval this episode. We'll get to hear their perspectives on the impact of Bridgerton from Brazil to Chicago to Australia. And we'll hear what they think their characters were doing while they were entering the marriage market. So some backstory theories mixed in here on Queen Charlotte and Lady Danbury. We'll also get to know these two theater greats better. What makes them tick? what roles they've played in the past while simultaneously binge-watching Shondaland shows in the wings, and of course, their most memorable moments from filming Bridgerton. Our discussion meandered quite a bit. We had some fun. So I figured what I'd do for you is start our conversation at the beginning of their journey, sort of. I asked them about the table reads. I found it quite thrilling and beautiful because all of a sudden these characters were popping out and were becoming real people you know you'd sat with them and you'd read the episode but then Lady Danbury was sitting a couple of seats down from me do you know what I mean and Simon was like there and Daphne was over there and these humans started to emerge yeah when you start the table read and the human gets those words and starts speaking, it's life appearing right in front of your eyes. You know, the human is being created. And that first table read was like, yeah, this is real and it's happening and it's glorious. And you heard the voices of the characters because it's quite a distinct kind of tonal language piece. Which I love. <laughs> yeah, to hear all that was really musical and it was like a little orchestra starting to 
find their notes and find the way they were going to play together, you know? That's exactly it. Language does have its own musicality, doesn't it? And you know when you hit a sentence right, because it's like you get the song, you get the tune. Yeah. Like Gold, I was really excited to hear all the voices because it's almost like, I was like, okay, what is this tune? I think I've got the tune, but what is the tune? Yeah. You know, all of that stuff, you start to calibrate what's the vibration of the show. What's really terrific about table reads is the reading of the stage directions. Yes. Betsy Beers, We Are Not Worthy, Beth. Yes. Hats what? off. Yeah. What? That woman can read. So energetically, uh, you know, it was like... <laughs> yes. It was like firecrackers going off every two seconds. It was. But which immediately gave you the sense of, it's not Jane Austen, my dears. It's its own thing here. It's like, you know, the outside box of a jigsaw puzzle? That's the day you get to see the whole picture. Yeah. So that when you're slotting your piece of the jigsaw in, you have a sense, that sense memory of, oh, yes. So you kind of see how you slot into the overall jigsaw puzzle. And that's really, really helpful as well. So actually going to a table read is great because you get to see all your friends and colleagues doing their thing that you're never going to witness on the day. So it's a treat. I just would love for the two of you to talk to me about this very special moment. It's the curtsy scene. (laughs) I I just really, really love that little wink between the two of you. Yeah, that little moment between the two of them always makes me laugh. uh, When Queen Charlotte says to Lady Dambrino, is that it? Is that as far as you can go? (laughs) I always love that moment because it's just like, these are two people who have a long lived knowledge of each other and each other's sense of humour, and they share a sense of humour, and they know what their their status is in the hierarchy. Yeah. There's a conversation, and it's Michelle Obama meeting the Queen, and they have this conversation where they both end up saying, these shoes are killing my feet. And the other one goes, I know. (laughs) And you just have this moment where, you know, there's the Queen, this long-lived woman, hugely experienced, head of state, head of the Commonwealth and all the history of that. And then there's this extraordinary woman who's the kind of like the new kid on the block as the first yeah. black first lady of America, <laughs> just sharing this lovely intimate moment, which is just about women in ridiculous fashion having <laughs> to struggle through their day. And, you know, it's like that thing Ginger Ronja says about saying, you know, I'm doing everything that Fred Astaire's doing, but I'm doing it backwards and in heels. Yes. You know, it's, yeah. it's that sort of common thing between just for a minute, they're just two women talking about how much their feet hurt. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. And it's, it's gorgeous. I think there's a lot of those moments, um, not only with us, where you find the history, where you kind of, there's a little insight, the door kind of cracks open to the history of these two women, you know, and what is possible. Hopefully, I, I'm praying in season two that there's more of that. There's more of the connection there and, and audience can see the history and the love and respect that these two women have for each other and the way that uh, they communicate. There's a common language there, you know, between the two of them because they know they've seen it, they've been it, and they're in relationship with it, you know, with each other. But I think there's a real, real feeling of community and ensemble. Yes. You know, in the piece that all, especially all the women, you know, that like Mama Bridgerton and Adju and Lady Danbury and La- Lady Lady Featherington and the Queen and, and Daphne and, you know, we're all 
together in this world. Yes, there is a hierarchy and a status because it's that is just you know reality. I'm agreeing with you that Shondaland is like so spot on with all of those characters that can be really nasty and really yeah. like yeah, hor- horrible. I Do- love Cyrus. <laughs> my guy. Yeah, man. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So I was playing Othello as a woman. Oh my goodness. So we changed all the pronouns and it became a lesbian relationship. I found such a real connection with Olivia Pope and Othello. You know, and I always try and find when I'm doing like a massive role like that, you know, and kind of killing myself every single night. Do you know what I mean? I mean, Othello goes through some major shit. I always try and find something that's that's relatable, but also that I can escape with, you know, that will take me out of the world that I'm in on stage and but but uh, but but also center me in the world that I am in on stage. Do you know what I mean? And and Scandal was one of one of was that box set that I watched, you know, for Othello. But emotionally, emotionally between all these women, I think there's a real bonding of sisterhood and girl power. You know, the Pomeranians and the custard. That scene right there is where I felt that most about Queen Charlotte. And Lady Bridgerton, too. I felt like you two were real people. In that moment, Lady Bridgerton also realizes, oh, this woman who invited me to tea is, is she's actually trying to... Yeah. She's, we're on the same level. You know, <laughs> wink, wink. Um, are we getting each other, sister? Are we on the same? Are we, we are? Okay, goodbye. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that was one of my, my other favorite scene as well. With Ruth. She's a great actress and it was just a dream to do that scene with her. She's a very clever lady. Very clever. Yeah, it was cool. What is the story that you two have (laughs) for your two characters? How are you friends? One thing that's in the story already that I really love is that there is this underlying sadness in Queen Charlotte's life because of her husband. Yeah. Who really loved her. I've had to read loads of stuff about the Hanoverians, so I know that they really loved each other. He hadn't had a good relationship with his father. He wanted a different sort of family life for his family. And this woman, who is frankly a stranger when she comes across from Europe to marry him. Yeah, they married on the same day, didn't they? They married on the same day she arrived. Um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's the way dynasties were put together. But they created a whole family life. There was love. There was children. There was children being educated. There was, you know, she was quite progressive she brought the christmas tree to great britain yeah she was the first one it wasn't it wasn't um queen victoria it wasn't victoria it was queen charlotte yeah exactly so there's that sadness that permeates the the loss of that consistent loving person and i think that you know we've seen the little bit with the flashback with with danbury when she's talking to little simon yeah there have been moments where she's had a sense of fragility and Women carrying that amount of status, but also carrying that amount of fragility. You recognize someone who can stand up to things and hold their own. And, you know, both of them, they've got a salty tongue on them, both these women. Yeah, definitely. But they also can see fragility and they can also, and they both have a sniff for the people who are just talking nonsense. 
and they don't have a lot of time for those people. They don't suffer fools gladly, do they? You know, something about that sensibility that would have attracted them to each other when they were younger, regardless of their status. And there's that companionship as well. When you have that sensibility and, and you know, for Queen Charlotte, the kind of loss of a love, companionship between, you know, Lady Danbury was and will be and is very, very important. And it's a trusted place, isn't it, for both of them? It's trusted. Yeah, definitely. It's trusted and respected. Yeah. It's just like in our business when you see somebody who's made a way for themselves somewhere where you wouldn't have expected them to be and you're like, I get what that must be. I'm here. I salute you. I think there's something of that respect. Our relationship is quite like that, Adua. You know, I was talking before about, you know, seeing you in the park sometimes and just kind of tipping the hat, you know what I mean? (laughs) You know, you'd be walking with your family, I'd be walking, listening to my music, and there would be that kind of, I see you. Yeah. You know, I see you, I love it, it's beautiful, I respect it, you know. Absolutely, right back at you. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really precious. I love it. I love it when we can kind of celebrate each other and honour each other, even if it's just a, you all right? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot of that on stage. Look at me talking about theatre, you know, on screen, you know. Yeah. Across the ballroom, you know, our eyes would meet. Yeah, just a little nod, yeah. Just a little nod. I think that's the sort of thing that would have been an early on thing. That moment when they first caught each other's eye, when she first came over from Europe and it's like, so I'm marrying who? Right, him. Okay, don't speak the language. What's what's occurring here now? Uh, you know. Uh, who can I, I find? Imagine, who can I find? Exactly. And I would imagine that Lady Danbury would have been um, recently established at court as well. Mm. Just thinking about age-wise and everything. It's, it's interesting to speculate on what that might be. But I think whatever it, the specifics of it might have been, I think what you really get strongly already is... Um, a long-lived, long-experienced admiration and fondness. Yes. With a, you know, with a bit of, with a salty bit of, you know, sharp lemon juice in there as well. <laughs> yeah. Which makes them both laugh. And they're both naughty. They're naughty ladies as well, at some level. Very. And that, I think that's, that's sort of fabulous as well. Yeah. It's our job to always give them the best show. All the world is a stage. And we are but mere players, I would say. That's right. I think that's. I think it's true. There's a rigour and a discipline to doing a show uh, every night all the way through for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks on end. That moment where you, you create a character and it's like it's new every night. Yeah. You know, because I, I think um, a, a person who's coming to the theatre to see the show deserves to see the best show yeah. Um, when, whatever night they come or whatever afternoon they come to. It should be the first show that you do. Yeah. Exactly. So it has to be your best show every time. Because I, I just think about where I grew up in the Cotswolds, to get to the theatre, it was like a mission, man. You had to find someone who had a car that was willing to take you or you got the bus into town, which was like two hours away and you had to find somewhere to some floor to sleep off that it was like or you had to get to a matinee that could only be a Saturday could you get a Saturday off work so where I grew up Gabrielle was um cows and sheep and two buses a week it was like deep country 
So, to, so I, I just, I always think about, you know, those people who have had to make a huge effort or they've had to save up a lot of money to get there or they've never been before and they feel maybe it's a bit not for them and they're not pushing off or it's, so yeah. it's our job or somebody who just needs to hear what you have to say that day, whose heart needs to hear what you have to say. So, and, um, uh, so that demands you have to be quite rigorous with yourself. It's like, don't phone it in. Yeah. The day you phone it in will be the day someone really needs to hear it. And I remember I was doing a show in New York and I saw Cicely Tyson on stage in her much later years with Cuba Gooding Jr. She was extraordinary. And, you know, it, everything was left on the stage. It's 100% a beautiful, moving, rigorous performance. And you just want to be that kind of actor, really. So I think... And gold is that kind of actor. And you you know, um, you bring that because we value that work. And so you hopefully you bring that that discipline that to screen and film as well. Stick around for more from Golda Rochebelle and Adjua Endo. We'll be right back. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome back to Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm Gabby Collins, and I'm taking you behind the scenes of Bridgerton. Today, we're talking with actresses Golda Rochevelle and Adjua Ando about their time on set, in rehearsals, and learning a little bit more about them and what they brought to their characters. Let's hear more of their conversation. One thinks back to the 1960s and 1970s. If you're growing, it, just imagine it's the Midwest, or it's just somewhere with a lot of wheat, a lot of cattle 
and you say, I'm going to be an actor. And everybody goes, so what? It's like, what are you, what? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was the kid from always, from tiny. I mean, partly I think it was a survival mechanism because me and my brother were the black children in the school. Wow. You strategize within your narrow parameters. It's the same story. It's always the same story. I was good at mucking about and telling jokes and pulling faces. I was quite good at fighting as well, I have to say. <laughs> and um, so, uh, so, uh, but I, I would, I was always directing plays in the front room of the drawing room. Uh, I was, I would choreograph to, you know, the Planet Suite by Gustav Holst quite happily. And I was in all the school plays and I read everything all the time. I loved reading. I used to read my mother's Georgette Heyer and Jean Plady. I could not wait till I could have my own adult library ticket, which I got when I was 11, so that instead of scrounging off my mum, I could go in there and go, here's my ticket, take me to the books. You know, I just, that for me, a summer holiday was spent lying on the bed, chewing juicy fruit and reading books. That was my summer holidays. That's what I loved, apart from when I was being shouted at to go and clean something. But, you know, that was what I liked to, to do. Yeah. The beloved people in my life. My husband's a novelist. Um, I, you, my dad was a journalist oh. before he had to leave Ghana. Um, words, 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 love, 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 words. There's that Georgette Hare reference again. Remember... That's the author who Bridgerton's writer's room and Bridgerton's historian Dr. Hannah Gregg researched while they buttressed the show with historic elements. We definitely spent some time going down this rabbit hole. And the fact that Georgette's tales of Regency inner circles captivated Adjua in her childhood gives me those cathartic full circle chills. Even though Adjua spent her childhood playing dress up and getting lost in the world that her books sent her to, she didn't immediately go down the thespian's path. So I did school plays at school. Drama wasn't considered a proper subject in my school. You're only allowed to do it if you were staying on to do A-levels, which are the exams you took before you went to university, because then clearly you had an academic mind and you could fiddle about doing this silly dressing up nonsense that you would So yeah, I did, I did drama when I was in my last year at school, because that's what, the only time you're allowed to do it. And um, I worked for a bank for a while because I didn't want to go and do the law degree that the good African child always does. <laughs> uh, so, and then I realized I hated working in the bank because it was numbers, not words. So then I went and I did the law degree. And then two years into the law degree, I left the law degree and made my father weep. Just finish it. Just finish it. You know, um, I, exactly as I would do with any of my kids. And then this woman who was from the San Francisco meme troupe, a woman called Deborah, she said when I walked out of my law degree, um, I took up the cello. I went to a music class with the head of my law department who said he wished he'd walked, walked out on his law degree when he was my age and he was learning the violin. Did I want to come to this music group? I was like, okay. So I went and learned the cello. And I joined Deborah's drama group. And um, then she got funding to do a play. And she asked me to go and um, audition for it. I didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. I found a. I found a history book, the history of the English working class, by J. P. Thompson. And I did a speak. I did a, a couple of paragraphs from then about land rights. That was my first audition. The thing that I saw of you saying you were telling yourself to just go for it. That was around this time then. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm an associate at a theatre called The Bush in Shepherd's Bush. I'm a senior artistic associate there. So they were interviewing some of us and saying, what would you say to young artists? And I just was saying, if it's your thing, do your thing. Uh, it's, a, it's a really hard thing, but if it makes your heart sing and you lose your mind and you're lost in joy, that's your thing, do your thing. That's what I came around to in the end. I gave up doing what I was supposed to do and I did the thing that was in my heart to do. I also asked Golda about similarly impactful moments in her career and in the moments that she brought her background and her whole self to Bridgerton. You know, as you can imagine, through my career, I am biracial. So my father was black and my mother was white. I was born in South America, in Guyana. My father was Guyanese and my mother was British. So for all of my career, I would say, I have played black roles. Yeah. The stereotype, the social worker, the policewoman, the lawyer, the doctor, you know, young mum with wayward child. So when Charlotte came along, yes, she is a person of colour. And yes, I am a person of colour. But I also have my white side in me as a person of colour, right? And this was the first time that I was able to tap into my white side. Me that loves cream teas, scones with jam and clotted cream. My side that loves cups of tea at about four o'clock in the afternoon. Ooh, lovely. My side that loves walks in the country. My side that loves, you know, visiting manor houses and castles and... So my upbringing was very much quite eclectic. So I had the black, you know, side and the white side. And anybody who met my mother would always come away going, gosh, she's posh. You know, she held herself beautifully. She, before the war, she had a nanny. She, they had butlers. Um, my grandfather ran a high-class private school. He was headmaster of one. So they had what you would call is staff. So my mother was raised in quite a privileged uh, position. So to be able to speak in her voice, with her tones, and to really channel her as this really powerful, beautiful, generous matriarch in my family is a dream, dream, dream come true. She passed away in March 2020 and never got to see Bridgerton. But I would, you know, when I went to costume fittings and stuff like that, she was quite frail uh, physically at the end. But, you know, she got to see costume fitting photos and stuff like do you know what I mean she got to see me as Queen Charlotte in like pictures and how it was being developed so I'm very very grateful for that you know she was a religious person so I would say up in heaven looking down going girl woo, wow and she would be sitting on the edge of her seat and she would she would be recognizing herself definitely and my family and my cousins, the first thing they said was like, you are channeling your mother. And 
It's a really beautiful thing. It's a really, really beautiful thing. But yes, you see her. But I think it's really interesting that, you know, for me as an actress, getting to play that side of my heritage in this piece of storytelling. That's what the beauty is of Shonda Rhimes and that whole team. You, they're relatable. It's relatable. The emotions are relatable. People are recognizing how they feel. Do you know what I mean? And it's being reflected back at them. It's it's touchable. It's 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 it. You can taste it. You can smell it. You can feel it. You know, it's such a. It's an extraordinary thing, I think. Extraordinary thing to be able to tap into. I mean, that's genius to be able to tap into reality like that in a fantasy period drama. You know, it's it's genius. After the break, we'll hear more from Golda and Adjua and executive producer Shonda Rhimes. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome back to Bridgerton, the official podcast. We're behind the scenes of Shondaland's hit show and talking with actresses Adjua Ando and Golda Rochevelle. They've been giving us some insight to the backstories of their characters and also their own personal backstories, what they're bringing to Bridgerton and how they actually were able to bring their whole selves to their roles. Let's begin to wind down our conversation with a word from executive producer Shonda Rhimes. I truly stomped around for a while saying, like, like I want to watch. I want to see me. And, you know, there's that whole British talk that, that Queen Charlotte actually was of African descent. And we were like, well, what if she was? Like, what if she was and what did that mean? 
And it wasn't really about straying into a fantasy world or not straying into a fantasy world or pulling us from a fantasy world. We just weren't interested in bathing in the white supremacy that everybody seemed to need us to bathe in for, for the story to be the story. We sort of went with this idea that there were two separate societies, like separate societies were moving. And when Charlotte and the King fell in love, he decided he was uniting the society. Like that was just, you know, is that fairly simple. And it just went from there. And that's what's the story she's telling. And, and the, the reason the Duke's father is so awful and is saying like, this can be taken away from us at any moment, you know, and the idea of that is, is if love can unite something, the dissolution of love can, you know, rip it apart. Like, what are you talking about? Like their space in this society is tenuous. But it's also right now, all the most powerful people are of color that we're watching on screen. So it was interesting to me. I just thought it was an interesting way of dealing with it and telling the story without laboring it or talk, like spending so much time talking about it. And I, and I was not interested, like I wasn't interested in that. That's not what the show is about. And if the show was about that, that'd be one thing, but it's not what the show is about. And to me, it was a way of finding a way to make it about a love story. And it gave us a little bit of that. And it also just explained the world because I needed, I wanted a very multicultural world that didn't feel like it came out of nowhere, but I also didn't need it to feel like it came out of like actual historical, you know, elements that we were, you know, pushing through. Even though Shonda didn't necessarily feel the need to justify or signify casting choices with historical accuracy, this desire to create a world where everyone belongs without question really resonated with Golda and Adjua. Ira Aldridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first Black actor to play Othello at the Coburg Theatre. And it was, I think it's this, it's 2024, it's 200 years. Wow. Mm. So right after real Regency, but I, still that decade, 15 years or so. He was touring in Europe then. He trans, sorry, don't get me started on our orders. Go, he, go, go. He, he transformed the way that we do Shakespeare to this day in this country. It was a really thrilling time. You know, there was huge shifts in all sorts of things going on. There was real change happening, wasn't there? Real change happening. We are beneficiaries of, um, yeah, today. Totally. History is just the story of our forebears. It's not like some dusty, dry thing. It's just stories. It's just how did, how did people fall in love and make their way in the world and discover that actually they were wonderful at making pottery when maybe they were supposed to be a farm labourer? What about those extraordinary women who uh, were scientists? And we're doing extraordinary things that, well, how would you even be doing it in that era when you were, you were considered somebody's property? The education of women in those, well, the education of women full stop, I would probably say, is lacking and quite extraordinary, you know, in its, in its lackingness. I mean, that kind of behavior or that kind of way of life and living you know I remember you know my mother's generation you know how you held yourself what knife and fork you used do you know what I mean what spoon you used how the table was made what you cooked you know was really also in my mother's generation and there are still some things in this day and age that you kind of go really are we still there how people relate to each other through relationships and that kind of marrying off and so on and so forth. You know, I think it's it's really interesting. Hopefully one day we can come to, you know, a much more inclusive, embracive equality for women. 
And, you know, that brings me also to your character again. One of my favorite moments was when Queen Charlotte gets to, even the way I say it, she gets to have dinner with yeah. with her husband, her, um, her friend. That was one of the, the scenes that I love. All those scenes with the with King George, I think, are really, really special because, you know, as I said, you get an insight to what goes on behind the closed doors. I was talking about this the other day about representation of people of color and black and brown people to the rest of the world, to those who don't necessarily see us as normal, as human, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And to kind of show those moments of vulnerability for a character like Queen Charlotte, I think that really exposes the beauty of humanity, you know, that we are all capable of suffering. We are all, no matter what race we are, capable of love, of hatred, of tears, of happiness, of joy, of frustration, of um, lack of understanding, of complication, of need. We're all capable of that, no matter what colour we are. And I think the beauty of Bridgerton really shows black and brown people you know, it's, it's, I feel it's so weird for me to say as human because we shouldn't have to say that. Do you know what I mean? But we need to be showing us in this light for people who have discriminated or feel they need to discriminate. We show them that it's, you know, love and exist in the same way as you do, you know? Twenty thousand free black people in London, and a fifth of the British Navy. A fifth in the late seventeen hundreds of the British Navy were African or of African heritage. Really? If you go to wow. Nelson's column, Battle of Waterloo, at the foot, there's a, a sort of a frieze of Nelson dying, and he's in the arms of a black sailor. Wow! It's like all this history is, is there. It's just it's in plain. It's hiding in plain sight. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, that's lovely. What's lovely about the show is if it makes people go, oh, is that right? I'm going to go, this black box, if it makes them go and find out about Bill Richmond. Yeah. And if it, it makes them find out more about Queen Charlotte. And if it makes them look at the, you know, who were the people who were peopling this capital city at this time. You know, if it, it makes them go and do all of that stuff, it's really, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, fabulously interesting time. I'm so proud to be, as someone that's grown up in this country, with the history of this country, you can't move for costume dramas if you've, been, if you've grown up in Britain. You can't move for um, historical romance. You cannot move for it. But to know that here's an opportunity to be in it, because usually acts of colour go, oh, costume drama, well, that's another job I won't get. Right, moving on. To be able to go, oh, and... Uh, Oh, good. You know, we were here and now we're in it. Wow. If there's something that finally goes, yes, you, you are here. Uh, we see you. You exist. It's being able to say to all audiences, you are all welcome to the Bridgerton party. As I was saying earlier, there are people in our business who you are just, I, I am just uh, in awe of for their vision. And Shonda is, Absolutely, you know, there is a tone and a, 
um, a vision to a Shonda Rhimes show. There's a quality to the work um, that is entirely uh, hers and, and it's unique. Yeah, I, f- I feel I feel really lucky that that we're not just kind of going for the glamour, the kind of you know the party shots. She's not just all about the you know the fun and the parties and the gossip and the scandal. You know there is really deep, meaningful truth. Wow. Of all the beautiful and wonderful things we talked about. My favorite part of this conversation is just listening to Golda and Adjua be friends in real life. It really feeds into my whole fantasy around the backstory between Lady Danbury and Queen Charlotte. Let's go for a walk. I'll give you oh, a call. Man. We'll go for a walk. Yeah, do, do. I'd love yeah. that. I tell you what, the walled garden is just coming into its own now. Yeah, we'll do that. Lovely, lovely. I'll bring my cup of coffee. Two biddies going, oh, look. <laughs> the old are coming up. Look, oh, that's smashing, that is. <laughs> Oh, Matt, can't wait, babe, can't wait. Gabrielle, nice talking to you, darling. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your journey. Oh, it's been been lovely talking to you. As one nerd to another, I salute you. That's it for this episode of Bridgerton, the official podcast. Bridgerton, the official podcast, is executive produced by Lauren Homan, Sandy Bailey, Holly Fry, and me, Gabrielle Collins. Our producer is Chris Van Dusen, and our editor is Vincent Dejani. Bridgerton, the official podcast, is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your favorite shows. Mm-hmm. 